Welcome to the Lift Church podcast. We pray that this message encourages you and inspires you to live up to your God-given potential. I think it's changing. I think it's changing these days. But that's okay. You can you can be racist, whatever, that's fine. <laughs> I would love to see an Asian rapper that, that makes it, you know. That would be awesome. Next Grammys, I'll go for it. <laughs> awesome. Well, we didn't want to um, just pick, his, pick, pick your mind a little bit, Mark, with um, your experience. And, and, you know, you performed some pretty big shows with some uh, pretty big names like Macklemore and stuff like that. Um, what's it like performing on a big stage with people just there? Um, it depends, hey. Like, it's, I mean, it's amazing, of course. And sometimes I'm nervous and sometimes I'm not. I really don't have any rhyme and reason to that. Um, but, yeah, it's awesome. Like, it's, it's, it's an amazing experience to be able to I mean, obviously, doing rap, writing lyrics and that kind of thing, it feels like my purpose, my gifting, what I'm supposed to be doing with my time and, and, and my skill set, you know. So to be able to go out on stages and, and speak these songs of, I mean, I try and write songs of, of hope and of love and of inspiration, to be able to speak that to, like, a lot of people is, is an amazing thing. Mm. And it feels like you're doing something right, for sure. Yeah. Yeah, very cool. And I think with that there's, that, there's that sense that you know that the lyrics that you are writing and singing out is um, impacting people. So in your opinion, does music influence culture or does culture influence music? How does that work? Yeah, I think, it's, I think it works both ways, hey, um, depending on like the zeitgeist of the times. And I also think in every generation there's like a few kind of really significant original artists that kind of come about and kind of set the tone for that that period and that that place in music. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think it's really cool if we look at the state of things now, like we were talking about before, there's guys like Chance the Rapper. I don't know if any of you guys have heard him, but he's a rapper. He's from Chicago um, in the States. And, you know, he's probably one of the biggest rappers in the game at the moment. And he, he played at the Grammys a couple weeks back and did a cover of How Great Is Our God. Um, to, to, you know, that, I mean, it's the Grammys. That's, that's everyone's seeing that. And what I think is cool is like, you know, I don't know exactly how he's living or where he's at or what he's doing. And, you know, some of his lyrics might be questionable, but the fact that someone is in that position on that kind of pedestal at the top of the game and the fact they're even talking about God or wanting to have that conversation, I think that's, that's a really good thing. Mm-hmm. And so things like that, I think, affect culture in a good way. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and you see it kind of like trickling down and, you know, it, it kind of gives other artists that might not want to talk about God, they, they all of a sudden feel like, oh, wait, I can talk about God and it's okay. Mm-hmm. And you see, I'm starting to see it come out in other rappers' tracks now. Like, they'll talk about the Lord, they'll talk about Jesus, and it's like, that's a positive effect on culture, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel like, I mean, I know Chance identifies as a Christian. Obviously, I do. I feel like... Um, that that's part of what we do. While it not while it might not be an overt thing where we go out and stand on stage and say Jesus, Jesus, Jesus to people that have no idea who Jesus is, we're still writing songs that connect with the heart of who he is and trying to explain what love is and what hope is and what that real true hope is, you know? Yeah. So it sounds like you understand that there's a certain responsibility as a songwriter in, in culture because yeah, there is a certain amount of impact that you can have on, on people through your songs. Yeah, definitely. Um, 
I think that's that's always been a focus for me. Um, that you're writing songs and knowing that the songs that you're writing are going to have one, uh, you know either a good impact or bad impact, maybe no impact at all if you don't have any reach, which was me for a long, <laughs> a long time. <laughs> um, but yeah, you're definitely trying to trying to get to the heart of things, like the heart of life, and also being vulnerable in songs. Like I feel like. For me, especially like, and you heard that in Never Be Like You, it's so necessary to be able to like share your struggle and share what you what you suffer through, because it's through that that I feel like we connect and, and and we find the honesty to be able to talk about our problems and what we're going through. Mm. I mean, I would hope that most of us are honest with God, and I feel like it's the same thing with each other in the ways that we communicate. I just happen to communicate through music. I feel like you know you need to be honest, you need to be vulnerable, and it's through that that other people find healing and other people find the liberty to be able to talk about mm. their struggles and and things yeah. like that. Yeah, so good. Well, as an artist, obviously you have to consume a lot of music. Is there any advice you want to give parents or young people, uh, especially that love music? You know, you go anywhere and people have got those earbuds in their ear the whole time. There's music going 24/7. Is there any advice with from, from your experience about uh, the consumption of music? Yeah, just listen to Marksman Lloyd and you say it. <laughs> <laughs> so easy. No. Thank you, guys. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like um, it's a very individual thing. Like, obviously, if you're a parent, you're not going to be buying your six-year-old son Eminem albums, you know what I mean? But there might be times in that parent's life where they heard a song like one of Eminem's, the deeper songs where he's talking about struggles that he's going through. I can't think of one off the top of my head, but you might have heard that and related to it. It might have been like a pathway for you to connect with, with even God or something that you were going through. So what I'm trying to say, I guess, is that I feel like it's, it's very individual and dependent on each person and where they're at. Like, if you're struggling with, with drugs or something like that, you're not going to listen to rappers that are talking about smoking weed every day because it's going to put you in the mind frame of, ah, oh, I want to do that, I want to be like that. But you just have to be very aware of yourself and, and what you're going through and, and how things are affecting you. You know, I feel like we're mature enough, or I would hope that most of us are mature enough, to be able to, to read ourselves like that and understand when something when there's too much of something or it's not appropriate for that you know what i mean but i wouldn't say that we have to avoid like music with bad words altogether you just have to know when certain things are appropriate when certain things are too much do you know what i mean does that make yeah, sense totally uh, totally so. well this morning why don't we just thank mark and the rest of the team for, for coming and, and performing thank you this guys morning. cheers bro make sure you do appreciate it check man. out marksman lloyd his stuff is just great Sorry, I'll just jump off. Cool. How are you guys going? Did you guys enjoy that? Yeah. Something a bit different? You know, I heard something a while ago that really stuck with me, that church is not supposed to be endured. It's supposed to be enjoyed. And so we will enjoy uh, with, with performances like this over the next couple of weeks. We've got some fun ones. In a, in a couple of weeks, we've got a uh, Singapore Idol finalist. Uh, that's my personal, is an inside joke for those who know who I'm talking about. And he's great. He's good fun. Uh, and next week, next week we're also going to, our, our lift band, the Pounders, as we like calling them, are going to be doing another cover as well. And that's going to be good. Well, in the, I've got 20 minutes left, so I'm going to jump straight into this. And 
We just heard uh, Marksman Lloyd's version cover of uh, Never Be Like You. And, and just so that you know, the original song, uh, it, it was massive last year. And on the radios, they do have a radio edit. Uh, but the original lyrics does contain some swearing. So us performing it this morning is not saying you must be listening to this. Do not necessarily put this onto your kids' playlist. Uh, you can search it up by yourself. Uh, but the reason why we covered it is because of the story behind the song and like what Mark was talking about when he writes songs and he writes lyrics, it, it is a, a certain vulnerability and openness to share about something that is going on in their life. And, and so what we wanted to do was to take some songs that really resound, songs that have a deeper meaning to them and, and to explore them and see how it affects culture or, 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 or how what our world is like, really, so that we are uh, uh, understanding that we are wise. The Bible actually says that we are supposed to be wise as serpents and innocent as doves. That means that we are not naive cave dwellers. We don't get to just stick ourselves away and hope that nothing happens to us. That is not the life that God has called us to. And so we, we dive into certain uh, difficult topics, really, and, and, and we do want to talk about them. And in this particular song, if you look into the uh, original lyrics, uh, it's all about uh, a girl who had uh, left her old partner or boyfriend, found a new partner or boyfriend, and after a while decided that uh, she had actually made a mistake and was trying to chase her old flame back again and try to win him over, saying, I've made a mistake, uh, I've really stuffed up, um, but that other guy can never be like you and I would like to be with you again. And that's the story of the song. And, and to be honest, when I first heard it, I was like, here we go, Hollywood. And I, here we go, people writing stupid things that never happened. But honest to God. I think God wanted me to know how true and how real this is. Uh, this kind of situation happens because I was listening to the radio. I think I was driving to our Red Frogs event and uh, it was Nathan, Nat and Sean that was on and uh, they had a caller call up and they were talking about, I, I don't even know what the topic was. I just I, uh, I listened while they were recapping this conversation and this guy, this guy calls up and said that he had been in an eight-year relationship with a girl. Now, if a guy has been in an eight-year relationship with you, dump him. Seriously. He's not making any moves. He's being a punk ass, and he just wants to enjoy what he's got. I mean, real. I hate it. You know? Show me some intention and not what you want to do. I've got life to live. Anyway, sorry, off my soapbox. I need to rile you guys up a little bit. And, and he, he had been with his girl for eight years, and he's like, oh, man, she was like uh, the wife of a footballer, which I think some of you understand what that, what that means. But he got to a point at the end of eight years, he got bored, and he thought that he could do better. And so he broke up with her. And she ends up with his mate. And so she's kind of still in his life, and he was talking about how when he's gone on Facebook and he sees this girl with his mate, and he suddenly realizes what he's lost. And so uh, after a, a little while, he started trying to chase her back. This girl was with his mate for five years. And it was like two years in that he actually revealed his feelings to her and for the next three years tried to win her back. And uh, at the time of that phone call, he had just got back together with her the night before. I was like, okay, this happens. I don't know whether Flume was writing about him. I don't think so. I think uh, they did it ages before that. But 
is actually a significant issue in our world today because we don't know how to do relationships well. We don't know uh, what it's like to have healthy, thriving relationships in our life. And so next week, we are going to be covering another song about relationships. We're going to be doing Drake's uh, Too Good For You. Um, so if you've got friends that go, you know, church is stuffy and boring, say, my church is doing Drake next week. <laughs> You'll get all your mates to be here. I'm serious. Use it. And, uh, and it's going to be a bit of fun. We're going to be unpacking a song that I feel is really quite uh, interesting. When I first heard it, I was like, I don't know if you know Drake, but I feel like his beats are really boring or like his singing is really boring. But as I looked in the words, I was like, this guy's a genius. He's actually tapped into something that is so, uh, why it resounds with us. There's something about what he says about relationships that people want to listen to. And so we're going to be talking about that next week. Uh, but as I was uh, uh, getting ready for today, I was trying to find if the authors of the, the songwriters had written anything about why they wrote what they wrote. And Kai, who is the uh, female vocalist in the song, she, uh, she says this, sometimes the head rules the heart and sometimes the heart rules the head. It's a constant struggle to work out which one is right. I question things a lot and sometimes that leads me to self-sabotage and to be in denial of, uh, about the opportunity of happiness in front of my own eyes. Sometimes it's easier to take the root of pain and let the ego overrule all. To be honest, I don't really know what she means by that last sentence, but the thing that she was talking about in this song is this all-too-human problem when it comes to knowing what to do, what is right. There's this tension between our head and our heart, and we get into a space where we are trying to work things out. And she says that she finds herself overthinking and making things worse and self-sabotaging. And this is an all-too-human issue, especially when it comes to relationships. I don't know if you, you've, you've been in situations where it feels like things are way too complex, things are way too difficult. There are so many issues that are surrounding this, and you're trying to work out how to move yourself forward, and you don't know what to do. And so you get songwriters that, that, that tap into that tension, and they explain it in a way that resounds with us. They put a killer beat and killer vocals behind it and they write songs that hit our charts and that's what we're listening to we're listening about how people are dealing with their relationship issues and that's what's happening with this song and while I appreciate and I know that relationships are not easy I am worried that what Kai puts forward as the end goal is dangerous to us. You see, she says that she is self-sabotaging in terms of happiness, in terms of the opportunity for happiness. She's basically saying that sometimes she's thought too much and so she ends up in a place of what if. She ends up in a place of not knowing whether she is truly happy or not. And the thing about happiness is that it's very misleading. When we feel happy, our brains tell us that we feel good. I've got to be careful because there are psychologists in this room and I might get this completely wrong. But one of the things that happens is that our brain releases a chemical called endorphins, which gives us, creates what we call happiness. That is a part of happiness. And, and when we feel that way, when we feel good, we think that we are good. Does that make sense? 
When you feel good, you automatically think that what is happening in front of you is good. So therefore, happiness equals good. Are you following my train of thought? And so we end up with this framework of our life where we are chasing happiness because chasing happiness makes us feel good. And if I feel good, that means I must be good. And we end up with this never-ending pursuit of happiness. But the thing about happiness is that it is actually so misleading. For example, if you go to a dentist and you see him holding a drill, run away. But if he's a qualified dentist with real dentist equipment and he's digging around your mouth and he finds a cavity in an extremely sore spot in your mouth and he taps right into it, you know that tears are streaming down your face at that moment and they're not tears of joy. They're tears of absolute hurt and pain. But is it good? You're not experiencing happiness, are you? Does anyone love going to the dentist? Does anyone feel happy when they see that the dentist is saying, you need to come in for your next checkup? No one? You're all normal human beings in this room? Yep. Okay, fine. What about the next picture? The next picture shows in, I think it's in Melbourne, a Nutella milkshake with a Nutella donut at the top of it. Some of you need to get your napkins out because uh, we do not want to mop the floor after this. But, but you see that and you go, mmm, so good. Because it's natural. Chocolate releases the same chemicals in your brain that makes you happy. But when you know what it actually does to your body, even though you feel happy while you're having that, is it good? Is that actually good for you? So you simply, just by showing a couple of examples, I hope that you understand that happiness is no pursuit. Happiness is not something you should be aiming for because happiness is not actually equated to goodness. You might be the happiest person in the world, but that doesn't mean anything about how healthy you are, about how good your life actually is. You can, you can try to pursue happiness and try to uh, be as happy as the person next to you, but that means nothing about your life. And so this morning, I want to explore an idea the idea that there is something more to life than happiness, that there's another framework that can help us understand what God is wanting for us. And, and, and I'm going to do it through a really interesting story found in Mark 6, 21 to 28. And I'm going to read it out to you. It says, But an opportunity came when Herod on his birthday gave a banquet for his nobles and military commanders and the leading men of Galilee. For when Herodias' daughter came in and danced, she pleaded pleased Herod and his guests. And the king said to the girl, ask me for whatever you wish and I will give it to you. And he vowed to her, whatever you ask me, I will give you up to half of my kingdom. And she went out and she said to her mother, for what should I ask? And she said, the head of John the Baptist. And she came in immediately with haste to the king and said, saying, I want you to give me at once the head of John the Baptist on a platter. And the king was exceedingly sorry, but because of his oaths and his guests, he did not want to break his word to her. And immediately the king sent an executioner with orders to bring John's head. He went and beheaded him in the prison and brought his head on a platter and gave it to the girl and the girl gave it to her mother. Really interesting story. And I just want to set it up for you. See, Herod was king over Israel at that time. 
And John the Baptist was a prophet. And John the Baptist was, uh, Jesus actually said that John the Baptist was the greatest prophet of all time. He was a man of God, a man who heard from God, a man who proclaimed truth from God. As a part of his truth telling, he angered the king due to some of the things that he was pulling out. And one of those things was that Herod had taken Herodias as his wife, even though she was actually uh, his brother's wife. He had a brother named Philip, and Herodias was married to Herod. And Herod goes, no, I want that. And so somehow he got them to divorce and got Herodias as his wife. I really note, I know that this is so confusing because Herod, Herodias is just weird. I know it's weird. Why would you want someone with the same name as you, basically? Um, anyway, uh, side note, but... But what happened through that is King Herod puts John the Baptist in jail because he knows that John the Baptist is stirring up trouble for him. But Herodias wanted to go one step further and wanted John the Baptist did. Herod did not want that though because we read in Mark 6 verse 20, it says this, Herod feared John knowing that he was a righteous and holy man and kept him safe. When he heard him, he was greatly perplexed and yet, he hurt him gladly. Herod knew that there was something different about John. So when he had conversations with John, which the Bible shows us he had them reasonably frequently, he would listen to this man who would, who would be telling him truth. And the truth is, uh, uh, is, is that that would have probably been against what Herod was doing, against his lifestyle, against how he wanted to live. But even though he was hearing a condemnation, a judgment against his lifestyle, Herod was saying, there is something more about you that I want. There is a significance about your life that I'm not finding in mine. And so I'm going to keep you alive because I want to hear you more. There is a worth in keeping you. There is something in you that I think that I need. I don't get it. It's confusing, but I want it. I, I, I want it. So Herod kept John safe, but Herodias was plotting to try to take Herod, uh, to try to take John's life. And so the opportunity came at this party to end all parties. Uh, Herod got all of his closest mates, all of the, the, the most influential people of the land, got them together for his birthday party. And Herodias sends her daughter in to dance. And Herodias' daughter, whose name was Salome, we find that out uh, in, in, in historical records. Salome's dance pleased Herod. Bible doesn't tell us what she did. But that dance pleased Herod so much that he gave up, he was willing to give up half of his kingdom. We end up finding out that she wanted John's head and John dies. But as I was reading this a few weeks ago, there was something that really stuck in me. The problem with so many of our lives is that we are losing the battle between pleasure and significance. The problem in so many of our lives is that we are giving in to the wrong side of the tension between pleasure and significance. Herod had something of significance in his jail cell. Herod had something of significance in his possession. And even if it wasn't John, he had power. He had authority. He was a man of significance. But because of one moment of pleasure, 
he was willing to give that power up. He ended up giving up something far more valuable than half of his kingdom. But the truth is that when you are in a position where you have to choose between pleasure or significance, many of us, myself included, tends to lose in that test. Is there something of significance that you have given up in the pursuit of pleasure? Is there something of value and of worth that you sacrificed just so you could get that pleasure? Is there something in you that you have compromised? Maybe it's your character. Maybe it's your integrity. Just so that you could have that one moment of pleasure. The Bible tells us, Jesus says this, what good is it for a man to inherit the whole world but to lose his soul? When we put pleasure before significance, we end up losing our soul. We end up pursuing emptiness. We hope for the next happy high, trying to cover up the gaps in our life, trying to fill that void that we are beginning to notice, and we hope that happiness is going to paper over the cracks, but it never does. But Jesus came that we don't have to live that kind of life. Jesus said this, and we have this, before we launch live, this was one of the verses that really informed us. And in John 10 verse 10, Jesus says, I came so that they can have real and eternal life, more and better life. Read that for yourself. Jesus said, I have come that you can have real and eternal life more and better life. He was speaking to a culture that was pursuing pleasure, pursuing happiness, not unlike today when the world tells us, come on, find that happiness for you. And Jesus is still screaming out the same message. I came 2,000 years ago so that you can have real and eternal life, more and better life, but you have to choose. You have to choose. Even though Jesus has made this available for you, there is still that tension in our everyday, whether we choose that momentary pleasure or whether we choose the significance that God is calling us to. Herod chose wrong. Herod chose pleasure. Willing to give up his power and authority. Willing to give up the one person that was speaking a truth to him. That was finding real gladness inside of his heart. He was willing to sacrifice and to silence that voice because a girl did a dance for him. That same struggle is in your everyday. That same struggle is in our everyday. I'm not trying to make this sound easy. But I put forward to you, if you want a life that is real, if you want a life that is eternal, if you want a life that is better than what you've got, you've got to change something up. There's a pleasure that you've been seeking that will not satisfy. That moment's pleasure at the cost of significance is never worth it. 
We've got to learn how to choose, church. We've got to learn. Come on, Christian, you've tasted and you've seen. And it is really sad because one of the biggest issues is that people start off loving Christ and loving this life that God has given us, and, and we go hard after it. Yeah, God's the best. He's doing all that stuff. But two, three years later, we get, we get a little bit bored. We kind of settle a little bit. We start to ask, is that all that there is? Forgetting that when Christ first saved us and that was made known to us, that was the most significant, important thing in our life. Why does God become lesser? Why does God become smaller as, as we go longer in life? That's because we're placing a higher priority on pleasure. That's because we start to put a heavier weightage on what I can get out of life instead of what God has already done for me, instead of who God's called me to be, instead of the destiny and purpose that He has placed on my life, no matter how hard it is. You know, last night, a few of us went to a, a Compassion event. Compassion is one of our community partners, and we got to hear from a former sponsored child from Compassion, which basically means that she uh, uh, was born into poverty, and through Compassion, someone uh, in America got in touch with her uh, uh, and, and, and started to sponsor her. It was $40 a month. And now she's leading, um, she's leading a, a she, she founded an organization called Mate in Hope. And it's, it's amazing, an amazing story. She, one person, started this organization. And that organization last year alone rescued more than 100 women from human trafficking protected over 400 children from human trafficking. One person, one life. Her story isn't easy to listen to when you hear what she had to go through. But because someone on a cross the other side of the world said, I'm going to choose significance rather than spending that dollar on myself, rather than getting that nice meal, rather than whatever it is, I said, I'm willing to sacrifice my personal pleasure for her. So now Michelle Tolentino, she's doing the same for hundreds of other people. I'm wondering what happens when the church gets a hold of this life of significance that God has for us. It doesn't matter whether you're supposed to hold a mic and be screaming about Jesus in front of thousands of people or whether you're just forking out $48 a month for a child that has grown up in poverty because you know that that's what God has called you to. It's not about your exposure. It is not about your reach. It is about how obedient you are to the call of God in your life. But let me tell you that the call of God on your life is gonna take everyday obedience for you to choose significance over pleasure. Right now, I'm going to choose significance over pleasure. Right now, I'm not going to choose temporary. I'm going to choose eternal. I am not going to just be feeding my soul. I'm going to be feeding my spirit. You know, I'm going to give up uh, uh, whatever the, the newspaper is so that I can read the Bible. I'm going to give up uh, the TV show that I'm watching because I'm choosing something of greater importance in my life. I'm not saying you should be living under a rock. I'm not saying that every moment or every day you should be having some Bible a verse being spoken to you or having Christian music all the time. I'm saying, what are you choosing? What does your lifestyle say? If I was to look at your daily calendar, am I going to see a life of significance or am I going to see a life that is rotting away because 
of choices for pleasure. I know I get passionate about this because this is real for me. This is not a pastor trying to tell you, look at me and do what I'm doing. This is me saying, this is a worldwide struggle. And if I don't talk about this, then maybe more of us will be deluded and live a lie that happiness is good enough. Let me tell you where happiness comes into this equation. True happiness comes through living a life of significance. I'm 31 this year. Dick's turning 26 this year. And when people ask us about our lives, we say we are living the dream. But we just didn't get here by accident. We got here because we chose significance over pleasure. We chose to take God's route rather than our own route. We chose to do certain things the hard way because it was a significant way rather than try to take shortcuts and get to where we are. You know that you've got significance in your life. God created you, designed you, for significance and I pray that you will have a holy discontent in your heart about where your life is at where's like this is not good enough it's okay but it's not good enough there's something more that's the biggest struggle we have as a church in the town of Vic Park everyone that we can see is rich has got a good job good dreams and no space for God And so we are here and we're trying to tell people there's something more. But the truth is that you know that there's something more. You know that there's a disconnect in your heart. And so my prayer for you is that through this message that you would actually think about your life and you think about what is going on. Are you living for pleasure or are you living for significance? It's a simple message, but it's not an easy one to put out. Can we just get the band up this morning? A couple of groups of people I want to talk to. The first group of people that I want to talk to are those that don't even notice Jesus that I'm talking about. Or perhaps you walked away from him. You kind of got to a place maybe in your life where, where, where God's not coming through quick enough for you. And maybe you felt like he's a bit irrelevant to me. And I hope that through this, you can see that God is doing something in you. God is looking into your life and he knows the plans that he has for you, plans to prosper you, plans to give you a hope and a future. God knows those plans. But we don't say yes to those plans unless we say no to our old way of living, to our old life. You cannot pursue God and pursue the old things of the world. You need to get to a place where you are willing to say to God, God, I'm willing to sacrifice pleasure. I'm willing to put that aside so that I can say yes to you. And I really believe that this morning there might be some of you that need to make that commitment to God. And so we will love to lead you into a prayer a prayer of dedication, a prayer that says, Jesus, I want you in my life. I want you to be my number one. I want you to be my Lord and my Savior. I need you. 
So if that is you this morning, I would love to lead you into that prayer. And so what we're going to do is that we're going to get everyone to just close your eyes. This is a special moment for people individually. And if you would like to be included in this prayer, I'm just going to count to three and you can put your hand up and then back down again. If you would like to invite Jesus as your Lord and Savior, just put up your hand in one, two, three. Awesome. Fantastic. Let's say this prayer together. Dear God, I know I've sinned. I know I've chosen other things than you. But this morning, I'd like to invite you into my life. Be my Lord and my Savior. Amen. Amen. Awesome. Thank you for tuning in today. If you would like to find out more about Lyft, check out our website at theliftchurch.com.au.